Hi, this is the K. Ray Reads to You podcast, and I am K. Ray. And today is February 22nd, 2011, in case you're wondering. And today I'm going to read Chapter 4 of The Talking Parcel by Gerald Durrell. Chapter 4 is called Spies and Plans. A spy, Penny? asked Peter incredulously. Are you sure? What sort of a spy? asked Simon. I don't know. I just saw him move. Over there, by the wardrobe, said Penelope, pointing. The two boys strode over to the shadows by the cupboard. You're quite right, said Peter, and, bending down, he grabbed at something. There, let go, said a hoarse voice. Let go, you're hurting. Peter strode back to the others, carrying by one leg a fat, warty, green toad, wearing a cutaway coat and blonde wig, and holding a grey top-hat in its hand. Peter put it on the ground, where it crouched gulping, and gazed at them nervously with its bulbous yellow eyes. "'There you are,' said Penelope triumphantly. "'I told you there was a spy.' "'I'm not a spy,' said the, to- said the toad hoarsely. "'Well, if you're not a spy, what are you?' asked Simon grimly. "'I'm a—I'm a—I'm a fur trader from Vladivostok,' said the toad. "'And I've got a wife and six kids what I've got to support.' "'You're nothing of the sort,' said Peter indignantly. "'Don't I look like a fur trader from Vladivostok what's finding it hard to make ends meet?' asked the toad plaintively. "'Not a bit,' said Simon.' The toad thought about it for a moment. "'How <clears throat> about a diamond merchant what's come all the way from Zululand, then?' he asked, brightening. "'You don't look like that, either,' said Peter. "'A famous brain surgeon from Kathmandu?' asked the toad, hopefully. "'No,' said Simon. "'Then I'll tell you the truth,' said the toad, earnestly. "'I'm a rich dairy farmer from Ontario, what's on holiday, and is here visiting his niece.' "'I don't believe you,' said Penelope. "'You're a spy.' "'I'm not a spy. Honest I'm not,' protested the toad. "'Honest, miss, it's just like what I was telling you. "'I'm a very well-to-do corn merchant, "'wants travelling incognito to do a bit of business-like.' "'You're nothing but a spying toad,' said Peter. "'Yes, and a miserable, ill-favoured toad at that, "'wearing a wig and a cutaway coat and a ridiculous top-hat,' said Simon.' "'You got no call to insult me at,' said the toad, in a hurt tone of voice. "'It's a jolly posh at, this is. One of me best disguises. I mean, ats.' "'You're a spy,' said Peter, "'and you know what happens to spies.' "'I'm not a spy. I swear it, I'm not,' said the toad, feverishly. "'You can't hurt me, cause I'm not a spy.' "'Spies get shot,' said Simon. "'Or tortured,' said Peter.' "'Or both,' said Parrot grimly. "'Here, now steady on. "'There's no need for that sort of talk,' said the Toad desperately. "'Here, look, I'll come, ke- I'll come clean with you. "'I didn't want to tell you, but you made me.' "'Well,' said Simon, "'I'm a exceedingly rich merchant banker of Lithuanian extraction, "'what's got a wife, two kids, and an aging old mum to support,' "'the Toad confessed, tipping his hat over his eyes "'and sticking his thumbs into his waistcoat.' "'I don't believe a word of it,' said Penelope. "'Neither do I,' said Parrot. "'A merchant banker, indeed. "'A toad like you couldn't add two and two together.' "'You don't have to if you're a banker,' the toad assured him. "'Honest, you don't have to know mathematics and things. "'It's just looking after people's money for them "'and telling them they can't have it when they want it.' 
"'Rubbish,' said Parrot scornfully. "'Unmitigated, unimaginative rubbish. "'Now, if you don't tell us the truth, "'we'll get Tabitha here to warm you up "'with a little flame or two. "'Eh, Tabitha?' "'It will be a pleasure,' said Tabitha, "'letting twenty-four smoke-rings "'and two long streams of flame "'escape from her nostrils.' <clears throat> Ow! Now, ear, that's not fair, said the toad, his eyes filling with tears. You can't torture a dumb animal, and me clothes might get burnt, and I haven't finished paying for em yet. That's not our concern, said Parrot. Tell us the truth, and we won't harm you. Honest, said the toad, hopefully. Cross your art, and spit on your hand, and hope to die? Yes, Parrot answered him. Well, said the toad, taking a deep breath, "'I'm a—' "'The truth now,' Parrot warned. "'It's your last chance.' "'Oh, all right,' said the Toad. "'Me name's Ethelred, and I'm a Toad of no fixed address.' "'And you're a spy?' asked Peter. "'Yes. Well, more of half a spy-like,' said Ethelred. "'You see, it was all the fault of them cockatrices. "'I was too small to sit on their eggs for em. "'I kept falling off and hurting meself. "'Well, I said to the Ed Cockatrice-like, I said—' "'Why not let me do what I'm cut out for?' "'Spying?' said Simon incredulously. "'Why, you're a terrible spy.' "'You got no call to insult me like that,' said Ethelred sulkily. "'I would have been a jolly good spy, but I didn't finish the course.' "'What course?' asked Peter. "'Correspondence course in spying what I was taking,' explained Ethelred. "'I only got up as far as disguises and foreign accents when the cockatrices said—' "'Here,' they said, "'you nip up to the crystal caves and see what H.H. is up to,' they said, "'and they bundled me out so blooming fast I forgot me invisible ink.' "'Penelope began to feel quite sorry for him. "'Well,' said Parrot, "'it's a good thing we caught you, "'because you can give us some useful information.' "'No,' said Ethelred, shaking his head, "'no, I can't tell you nothing. "'Me lips is sealed-like.' "'Tabitha breathed out two ribbons of flame.' "'Well,' said Ethelred hastily, "'I could tell you a bit, maybe, the unimportant stuff.' "'Where have they got the great books of government?' asked H.H. H. "'And are they safe?' "'Core lummy, yes,' said Ethelred. "'They've got em down in the dungeons under every guard. "'Ooh, they ain't half getting into a pickle with them their spells. "'Laugh, I nearly died. "'The tantrum the Ed Cockatrice had when they turned two sentries into a tree "'and a bunch of moon-carrots.' "'Us toads was hysterical, I can tell you.' "'And what about the dragon's eggs?' asked Parrot. "'Oh, they're all right,' said Ethelred. "'They're safe? In the castle? My precious eggs?' screeched Tabitha, and fainted. "'Here, what's she on about?' asked Ethelred. "'Of course they're safe. Got them stacked up in the torture-chamber. They have, neat as neat.' They all patted Tabitha's paws until she came around, for, as H. H. wisely observed, there was no point in burning a feather under her nose, as one did in normal cases for the same thing. "'Now,' said Parrot to Ethelred, "'what's the best way into the castle?' "'There is only one way in,' said H. H., "'over the drawbridge and through the big gates.' "'That's just where you're all wrong, see?' said Ethelred triumphantly. "'You lot think you know everything, don't you?' "'Well, you're wrong, see?' "'Well, how else can you get in?' asked H. H. "'Ah!' said Ethelred cunningly. "'You can't get me to tell you. "'Ho, ho, I'm not one of them turnabouts.' "'Turncoats,' said Peter. 
"'And I'm not one of those neither,' said Ethelred. "'I don't believe you,' said Penelope. "'You've done nothing but tell lies since we caught you, "'and this is just another lie like telling us you were a brain-surgeon. "'You deliberately lied about who you were and what you were, "'and now you're lying about there being another way into Castle Cockatrice.' "'I'm not lying, miss. Swelp me,' said Ethelred. "'I may have told you a fib or two about who I was, "'but this is honest, honest. "'You get into the castle by the drains.' "'Bravo, Penny,' said Peter. "'Most sagacious,' said Parrot. "'Brilliant,' said H. H. "'Here,' protested Ethelred, "'suddenly realizing what he had done. "'That wasn't very fair, miss, was it now?' "'Just as fair as you coming to spy on us,' said Penelope. "'But that's me profession, master spy,' said Ethelred. "'You had no cause to make me give away a secret.' "'Well, I'm sorry, I thought it was necessary,' said Penelope, "'and nobody will be surprised, because you're a bad spy.' "'Ere, I don't think that's fair, when I'd only done half the course,' said Ethelred, pained. "'I'm very good, really. I can do an Hungarian fishmonger with three motherless daughters to the life. "'Least, that's what me mum said. Would you like to hear me? "'Or I can do a Polish count, what's fallen on evil times, and add to Sally's castle and what not.' "'Some other time,' said Parrot. "'What we want to know now is, how do we get into the drains?' "'Here,' said Ethelred, "'you can't expect me to give away all the secrets.' "'I think,' said Penelope, winking at Parrot, "'that Ethelred does not realize we're offering him a very important job.' "'What? Me?' said Ethelred, puzzled. "'What job?' "'Master counter-spy,' said Penelope solemnly. "'Cor, what, me?' said Ethelred, his eyes protruding even more with excitement. "'What's one of them, then?' "'It's the most important kind of spying you can do,' said Peter. "'Yes,' said Simon, "'frightfully important work.' "'Coo,' said Ethelred, much impressed. "'How do you do this, then?' "'Well, you go on pretending that you're spying on us for the cockatrices,' said Penelope. "'whereas in reality you're spying on the cockatrices for us. "'That's why you'll be called Master Counterspy X.' "'Why Master Counterspy X?' said Ethelred. "'Why can't I use me own name?' "'Because Master Counterspies never do,' said Peter. "'They're much too important to use ordinary names.' "'Ethelred thought about this for a little bit. "'Would I have to use disguises like?' he asked. "'It's just that disguises is one of me better bits, really, "'and I wouldn't like to have to give it up.' "'Of course you'll wear disguises,' said Penelope, "'and most of the time you'll be wearing the most fiendishly cunning disguise of all.' "'What's that, then?' asked Ethelred, his eyes protruding with eagerness. "'You'll be disguised as yourself,' said Penelope, "'as a toad.' "'But here, steady on, then. "'Them cockatrices know I'm a toad.' "'protested Ethelred. "'That's the fiendishly clever part,' said Simon, "'because under the disguise of a toad "'you're really Master Counterspy X.' Core said Ethelred, "'understanding dawning on his face. "'Core, that ain't half clever, that ain't. "'Coo, that's the most spying bit of spying "'what I ever heard of.' "'The children sighed with relief, "'and Parrot exchanged a glance with H.H.' "'So you'll take on this highly important assignment?' asked Penelope. 
"'Oh, yes, miss, please,' said Ethelred, his eyes shining. "'And may I say, miss, it'll be a pleasure for me to serve with anyone what's as pretty as what you are, and who has got a mastermind like what I've got.' "'Thank you very much,' said Penelope, trying not to laugh. "'And now, if H. H. will be kind enough to give us some food, we can plan our campaign.' So they all went back into the big room, and Penelope helped H. H. to serve up a delicious meal of vegetable soup, roast lamb and green peas, baked potatoes stuffed with cream and butter, followed by fresh strawberries encased in whipped cream and meringue, and surrounded by ice cream. "'Gosh, that was a splendid meal,' said Peter, finishing his second helping of the strawberries." "'It's just one of these little banquets that H. H. likes to run up,' said Parrot. "'He's a very good cook, really. "'Of course, the moon-carrots help. "'They're so versatile.' "'Yes, you keep mentioning moon-carrots,' said Penelope, "'and you were singing about them when we first met. "'What are they?' "'One of H. H.'s better inventions,' said Parrot. "'They look like red and white striped carrots. "'We have one crop a year. "'We have the moon-carrot gathering ceremony. "'Then they're hung up to dry.' "'When they're dry, they look like this,' H. H. said, "'and placed on the table a long carrot-shaped vegetable, "'which was hard, like a gourd. "'As they dry, the instructions start to appear. "'Look!' "'On the side of the moon-carrot the children could see, "'written in neat Gothic script, "'with a lot of twirls and squiggles, "'the legend, "'Roast leg of pork, "'empty contents into casserole, "'and put in a two-log oven for two hours, "'based frequently.' Breaking open the moon-carrot, H. H. showed them the contents, a brownish powder. "'Do you mean to say that everything we've just eaten came from that?' asked Simon incredulously. "'Yes,' said H. H. modestly. "'And it's not like ordinary tinned or dried packet-stuff,' said Parrot, "'because this is actually grown in the ground, so it's lost none of its goodness.' "'Incredible,' said Peter.' H. H. invented that in 1596, said Parrot. He was always ahead of his time with his inventions. I really think you are the most marvellous magician, said Penelope. All your inventions are so practical. Well, well, that's kind of you, said H. H., blushing a little. But we must give most of the credit to the great books. Without them, I can do very little. Yes, so it's essential that we get them back, said Parrot. "'Now let's map out our campaign. First, where's that plan of Castle Cockatrice?' "'I have it here,' said H. H., pulling a roll of parchment from his robes. They spread it out on the table. "'Now, Ethelred, my lad,' said Parrot, "'where's this drain you're talking about?' Ethelred poured over the plan, gulping with concentration, his wig perched slightly over one eye, his hat on the back of his head. "'Well, here's the drawbridge,' he said at last, "'and here's the chief cockatrice's living quarters, "'and here are the barracks where the rest of them hang out. "'Then down here is the main dungeon where they've got the great books. "'Here's the torture chamber where they've got the eggs.' "'My lovely eggs!' squeaked Tabitha. "'Now don't go fainting again,' said Parrot testily. "'We haven't got to time to waste giving you first aid.' "'Now here!' Ethelred went on, jabbing at the plan with his thumb. "'Here are the two smaller dungeons what are never used except for storage. I was sent down there one day to get a chair, and I found this sort of drain thing, see? So I went along it, just for a lark-like, and I found it went under the moat and came out in the fields over here. 
So I says to meself, I says, Ethelred, I says, mark my words, that'll come in useful sometime. And it has. Ethelred beamed at them happily. I think that was very clever of you, said Penelope. Ethelred blushed to the roots of his wig. Now, said Simon, frowning at the map, if we get in here, we've still got to get to the sentries and deal with them before we can rescue the books. You can't rescue the books, said Parrot gloomily, at least not that way. Each book weighs about three hundred pounds and measures six feet by three. Good heavens, said Peter, why didn't you tell us? But, my dear parrot, said H. H., they don't have to rescue the books, they can just get the recipe for dealing with cockatrices, which I've so stupidly forgotten, and then we can drive the cockatrices out of the castle and rescue the books. Of course, said Simon excitedly, you're quite right, H. H., if we can get in and get the right spell, that's all we need. Now, all we have to think of is a way of frightening the guards, said Peter. What frightens cockatrices? "'Are you joking, mister?' asked Ethelred incredulously. "'Nothing frightens that lot. "'They don't have to be frightened if they can spit out flames eight feet long.' "'He's quite right,' said Parrot. "'Cockatrices have always been arrogant and ambitious animals.' "'There was a long silence, broken only by Dulcibel humming to herself "'as she remade Parrot's bed. "'Well,' said Penelope at last, "'if we can't frighten them, what about luring them away somehow?' "'Not the cockatrices,' said H. H. "'They've a really military discipline, you know, "'which means that none of the sentries thinks for himself. "'He merely obeys orders. "'And once they're told to guard a place, "'they guard it, no matter what.' "'There was another silence. "'Tell you what,' said Ethelred suddenly, "'there's one thing why, what might make him shift.' "'What?' said everyone eagerly. "'Well,' said Ethelred, the Ed Cockatrice, he said to everyone that it was their duty like to catch H. H., and he said that the one wad up to capture H. H. would get a promotion. If they saw H. H. and thought they could catch him, that might shift him. An excellent idea if H. H. were two hundred years younger, said Parrot dryly, but at his age you can't expect him to go crawling about in drains and running away from cockatrices. "'I am sorry to say so, but I must admit that Parrot is right,' said H. H., in a depressed tone of voice. "'Well, then, how about a fake H. H.?' asked Simon. There was another silence while everybody looked at one another. "'You mean a sort of model?' asked Penelope. "'Yes,' said Simon. "'You know, dressed up to look like H. H. One of us, maybe.' "'No, no,' said H. H. "'I think I've got it. "'When I last had some robes made, "'they made a sort of dummy of me to fit the robes on.' "'A tailor's dummy,' breathed Penelope delightedly. "'That's it,' said H. H. excitedly. "'Now we've got that, which is the right size and shape, "'and I've got a spare hat and robes to dress it in.' "'Make a face out of mooncalf jelly,' cried Simon. "'Paint it to look like H. H.' shouted Peter. "'And if that doesn't fetch them guards running, nothing will,' yelled Ethelred, his hat falling off as he did a wild hopping dance around the table. "'Wait a minute, wait a minute,' said Parrot. "'That's all very well, but how do we do it?' "'Ears how,' said Ethelred, so bursting with excitement that his cutaway coat was straining at the seams. "'Wheels, that's what!' "'Wheels?' said everybody, looking mystified. "'Yes,' said Ethelred. "'Where's that plan?' 
he pored over the plan for a moment, and then sat back with a satisfied smile on his face. "'Yes, that's it,' he said. "'What?' asked everybody. "'Well,' said Ethelred, leaning over the plan and showing them with his thumb. "'Ere's the two dungeons water used as storeroom, see? And that's the one we come out into.' "'Yes,' said Parrot. "'Go on.' "'Well, ere we have the dungeon, what has got the books in?' said Ethelred. "'And right opposite it is a long corridor what slopes down to the moat.' "'Of course,' said H. H., slapping his forehead. "'That's where you go to check on the water level in the moat. "'How silly of me to forget it.' "'At the bottom of this ere corridor,' Ethelred went on, "'there's the moat, see?' "'I don't understand,' said Peter.' "'Well, we comes into this dungeon here, see?' said Ethelred. "'And then I goes out and attracts the guards' attention-like.' "'You create a diversion,' said Parrot. "'No,' said Ethelred. "'Fair's fair. "'I don't want to do anything dangerous. "'No, I'll simply attract their attention. "'And while their attention is attracted, "'you can go and put the model of H.H. here at the top of the corridor "'and give it a shove. "'Then when it goes running off down on its wheels, I shall say, "'Coo, look, lummy!' I shall say. "'Isn't that H.H.?' "'and then they'll all go chasing after him, see?' "'What a splendid idea!' said Simon enthusiastically. "'Yes,' said Peter, looking at Ethelred with respect. "'He really is turning out to be a master counter-spy.' "'Still, we've got a long way to go before we're successful,' said Parrot worriedly. "'Look, let's divide up the work,' said Simon. "'Ethelred, H. H. and I will look at this plan "'and work out the measurements and things, "'so that we get it just right.' "'You, Parrot, Peter, and Penelope will do, uh, do the model with the help of Tabitha and Dulcibel. "'What's the best time for our attack, do you think?' "'The middle of the night,' said H. H. He pulled out a large watch from under his robes. "'That gives us six hours. To make sure it's dark, I'll switch off the moon.' "'Can you?' asked Penelope in astonishment. "'Oh, yes,' said H. H. proudly. "'Easily. I can switch off the sun, too, in an emergency.' "'Right. Then we'd better get started,' said Peter. "'Come on, Parrot. Show me where the moon-calf jelly is kept.' The next three hours were full of activity. Ethelred, H. H., and Simon drew the dungeon entrance and the sloping corridor in chalk on the floor, and they worked out how best to maneuver the model into place. Tabitha and Dulcibel, not without a certain amount of argument and rivalry, arranged the robes on the dummy, which was already attached to wheels made out of moon-calf jelly.' but it was the model of H.H.'s head that took the time. Six were made and rejected before they got one that they considered perfect. Then, with great care, Penelope painted it with oil paint. They stuck a false beard and hair on it, attached it to the dummy, put a pointed hat on it, and stood back. There was a long silence, broken at last by Ethelred. "'Coo, lummy!' he said in a hushed whisper. "'If that ain't H.H. to the life, it's just like his blinking twin brother. "'If that don't fool him, nothing will.' "'I must say,' said Parrot judiciously, "'I think he's right. "'Even I might mistake it for H.H. "'It's a deliciously deceiving duplicate.' "'Coo, you don't half go on when you start,' said Ethelred admiringly. "'I don't know how you remember all them words.' "'You had your chance to have a command over the language,' said Parrot austerely, "'when H. H. started his free school for toads. "'But would any of you attend? "'No. "'You preferred sitting about in swamps, "'singing and doing part-time egg-hatching for the cockatrices, "'and doing both things badly.' 
"'It wasn't my fault, honest,' pleaded Ethelred. "'I wanted to come to school, but my mum said there was no sense in all that learning rubbish. She said I ought to take up a trade-like.' "'So what did you do?' asked Penelope, feeling sorry for him. "'Well, I took up spying, didn't I? Me mum said, "'There's always room for a good spy.' Parrot gave a heartfelt sigh. "'They're all the same, these toads,' he muttered. "'No logic.' "'Now,' said Simon, "'let's go over the plan of campaign. "'The ones to go on this expedition are Peter, myself, Parrot, "'and, of course, Ethelred, to act as guide and master counterspy.' "'Here,' said Penelope, "'what about me?' "'You'd better stay, you'd far better stay here with me, my dear,' said H. H. "'After all, it's a dangerous mission.' "'I don't care,' said Penelope stubbornly. "'I'm going with them. "'After all, I tricked Ethelred into telling you about the drain. "'Otherwise you wouldn't be going at all.' "'That's perfectly true,' said Peter, uneasily. "'Well, all right, you can come,' said Simon, "'but only if you promise to run like a rabbit "'at the first sign of danger.' "'I shall not,' said Penelope, with dignity. "'I shall only run like a rabbit "'when everyone else runs like a rabbit.' "'All right,' said Simon, smiling. "'Once Ethelred's enticed the guards into the dungeon where the books are, "'we go out and put the model into this corridor here, "'and Parrot says he will sit on its shoulders and imitate H.H.'s voice. "'Then, when Ethelred tells the guard that it's H.H., "'Parrot will fly off the model and give it a push with his feet, "'and it will then go rolling down the corridor and into the moat. "'With luck the guards will follow it, and maybe even dive for it. "'because we've weighted it so that when it hits the water it'll sink. "'While all this is happening, we go into the books "'and ask about the cure for cockatrices, "'and Penelope writes it down. "'Then we escape.' "'Splendid, spl simply splendid,' said H. H. "'What a masterly plan! "'How grateful I am to you brave children!' "'Here, what about me?' said Ethelred, hurt. "'You've proved yourself to be a truly sagacious and intelligent toad,' said H. H., patting him on his top hat. "'And when this is all over, I'll make you head toad at the free school for toads.' "'Core!' said Ethelred, overcome with the honour. "'Now I think we all ought to have a hot drink of moon-carrot cocoa. "'Then I'll go and switch off the moon, and you can go,' said H. H. "'One thing what's worrying me,' said Ethelred, sipping his cocoa. "'That is, should I stay on as Master Counterspy X, or should I escape with you lot?' "'Escape with us,' said Penelope firmly. "'The cockatrices will know that you've changed sides. "'Besides, we'll have plenty of other important work for you to do.' "'Just say the word, miss,' said Ethelred, dipping his hat over one eye in a devil-may-care manner. "'Just you say the word, and Master Counterspy X is at your service.' "'Thank you,' said Penelope gravely. "'When they'd finished the cocoa, which was very warm and stomach-comforting, H. H. consulted his watch. "'Time for me to put out the moon,' he said. "'Are you all ready?' "'Yes,' said everyone. "'Good luck,' said Tabitha and Dulcibel, both sniffing violently into their handkerchiefs. So the party set off down once one of the many side tunnels of the crystal caves, one that would bring them out within a short distance of the moon-carrot field, where lay the entrance to the drain. Penelope and Ethelred, carrying flashlights, went first with Parrot, and Peter and Simon brought up the rear, carrying the model of H.H. 
At last they left the tunnel and made their way out into the field, which, without a moon, was as black as the bottom of a well. It was very silent, and they could hear the whisper of the moon-carrot leaves, soft as velvet, brushing against their ankles. They only used the flashlights when absolutely necessary, especially when they neared the great dark bulk of Cock Castle Cockatrice, just in case a sentry should spot them and give the alarm. "'Stop here a minute,' whispered Ethelred. "'It's somewhere here. I'll have to look for it.' So Parrot and the children waited while Ethelred hopped about among the moon-carrot leaves, muttering to himself. "'Here it is,' he said at last. "'I knew it was here somewhere.' By the light of their flashlights the children could see a square manhole with a wire cover lying beside it. Shining their flashlights into it, they could see that it led into a large, circular, brick-built drain. Just under the manhole was a chair. "'That's how I got out,' said Ethelred proudly. Carefully they lowered themselves and the dummy down into the drain. Here things became easier, since they could shine their flashlights without fear of being seen. After they had walked for about five minutes, the tunnel sloped downward, and they could feel a cool breeze on their faces.' "'Nearly there,' whispered Ethelred. "'Dead quiet now. "'Them guards are only just round the corner.' He led them out of the drain into a great grim dungeon piled high with old furniture, candelabras, and all the other strange things that are generally found in attics, all dusty and hung with cobwebs as thick as black lace. The whole place had a cold, damp smell that made Penelope shiver. Ethelred led them between the great piles of cobweb-covered furniture until they came to a door, which he opened a crack and peered through. "'Here, have a look, and get the lie of the land,' he said at last. Each of them in turn peered through the crack. A little way down the passage was a big arched door bound in brass, which evidently led to the dungeon where the great books of government were held. Lounging outside the door were two bored-looking cockatrices, who were obviously sentries. One was busy sharpening his great claws with his beak, while the other one was amusing himself by cutting his initials in the wall with the flames from his nostrils. Opposite to them was the corridor that sloped down toward the moat. "'Now,' said Ethelred, his voice shaking with a mixture of alarm and excitement, "'when I get them two into the dungeon, you get the model in place. Then Parrot can say something loud, so that I'll know you're ready, see?' "'Yes,' everyone whispered. Penelope could feel her heart hammering inside her ribs, and she wondered if the others felt as scared as she did. "'Well,' said Ethelred, gulping, "'here we go, then.' So saying, he opened the door, slipped into the corridor, and half-closed the door behind him. The others, their eyes glued to the crack, saw him straighten his hat, and with a jaunty air hop down the corridor toward the sentries, carrying Penelope's pencil and pad under his arm. "'Ere!' he shouted. "'Show a leg there. Call yourself sentries. I could have crept up and strangled you both.' The cockatrices, at the sound of his voice, had leapt to attention, but they relaxed when they saw who it was. "'Oh, it's you, is it?' said one of them, in a nasty, harsh, crowy voice that sounded something like a dog worrying a bone. "'What do you want, you stupid toad?' "'I want no lip out of you for a start,' said Ethelred sternly. "'I'll thank you to keep a civil tongue in your ugly face, "'because I just came down here on a special mission from your chief, see? "'And if you don't believe me, why don't you nip upstairs and ask him? "'I wouldn't advise it, 
"'because he's in a bad temper, like a volcano what's going to erupt, see?' "'What's wrong with him?' asked the cockatrice in alarm. "'It was obvious from the sentry's uneasy attitude "'that when the chief cockatrice was in a temper, every one suffered. "'H.H. is the matter,' said Ethelred. "'Yes, that's what it is. "'H.H. planning vengeance on us all.' "'How can he?' sneered the second cockatrice. "'We've got all his books here. "'He hasn't any spells left.' "'All right, then,' said Ethelred triumphantly. "'If he hasn't any spells left, how has he managed to put out the moon?' "'Put out the moon?' echoed the sentries incredulously. "'Yes,' said Ethelred. "'If you don't believe me, go up on the battlements and look. "'That's why your chief's dead scared he is. "'That's why he sent me down here to look up moon spells in the great book of spells. "'And that's why I haven't time to stand here gossiping with you lot. "'Open that door and let me in, or you'll both catch it in the neck from the chief.' "'Of course, of course,' said one of the sentries hastily, taking a giant key off the wall and unlocking the door. "'And you'd better both come in with me and lend a hand,' said Ethelred. "'Of course, of course,' said the sentries, following him obediently, as he hopped into the dungeon. "'Now,' said Peter, "'stay here, Penny, until the sentries chase the model.' He and Simon opened the door and hurriedly wheeled the model of H. H. down the corridor, as quietly as they could.' They heard Ethelred keeping the sentries occupied in the dungeon. "'Now, you old me pad, and you old me pencil,' he said. "'This ear's a serious business, putting out the moon. "'The next thing you know he'll put out the sun. "'Then where will we be, eh?' Carefully and rapidly the boys arranged the model at the top of the slope, where the slightest touch would send it careering down the corridor. Then Parrot took up his position on its shoulder. "'All right,' he whispered. "'Get back inside and under cover.' As soon as Parrot saw they were safely out of sight, he shuffled all his feathers into position and cleared his throat. "'My dear Parrot,' he said, in a remarkable imitation of H. H.'s piping voice, "'this putting out of the moon is only the first step in my campaign against the cockatrices.' "'Really?' said Parrot, in his own voice. "'What's the next step?' Lummy, bless my socks and topper!' "'screamed Ethelred from inside the dungeon. "'Look, H.H. himself! Quick, catch him! "'It means promotion! Huge medals! "'The chief will love you! Quick, quick, quick!' "'The sentries turned, bewildered, "'and saw the model of H.H. standing in the corridor "'with Parrot on his shoulder. "'It took them a second or so to recover from their shock, "'but then, with crows of triumph, they leapt forward, "'dropping the pad and pencil. "'Look out, H.H. cockatrices!' screamed Parrot in pretended alarm. He flew off the model's shoulder, giving it a kick with his feet as he did so. The model twirled around, and then started to roll down the corridor, gathering speed. The long robes swept the ground so the wheels were completely hidden. The impression of H.H. running for his life down the corridor was complete. Gobbling with eagerness to catch H.H., the cockatrices, jostling each other, rushed down the corridor in pursuit. "'All clear,' called Parrot. "'Quick as you can!' The children ran across the corridor, recovering the pad and pencil, and into the dungeon where Ethelred was waiting for them. "'Here,' he said, "'you get the blinking spells, and I'll keep watch for the cockatrices.' He hopped out of the dungeon and down the corridor where the sentries had disappeared. The great books of government were made from the most exquisitely tooled leather, picked out in patterns of scarlet and gold. Each book lay on a beautifully constructed golden table inlaid with silver." "'Hello, books,' said Parrot affectionately. 
To the children's surprise, the books answered in musical voices that sounded like three little old ladies. "'Hallo, there you are, Parrot,' they said. "'It is nice to see you again. Are you going to rescue us?' "'Not this time,' said Parrot. "'We're getting around to it, my lovely loquacious library. No, what we've come for is a spell against cockatrices, if you'd be so kind, spellbook.' The bookmarked Ye Great Book of Spells opened itself and started to riffle its pages, murmuring to itself. "'Cockatrice, cockatrice,' said the book. "'I don't recall offhand. Cockatrice. I may be wrong, of course.' "'I say, get a move on,' said Parrot. "'Those guards may be back in a moment.' "'I'm doing it as fast as I can,' said the book, aggrievedly. "'I've only got one set of pages. Let's see now. Cockatrice, cockatrice.' The children were in an agony of suspense. They had no means of knowing how long the model H.H. would keep the sentries busy, and they had no desire to be caught by the angry and frustrated cockatrices on their return. "'Ah, yes, here we are,' said the great book of spells in a pleased tone of voice. "'The spell to rid yourself of cockatrice.' "'Are you ready to write it down, Penelope?' asked Parrot. "'Yes,' said Penelope. "'Right, here we go,' said the book.' Recipe for the overcoming of cockatrice. Cockatrice are overcome by weasels. Men bring weasels to the den where the cockatrice lurketh and is hid, for no things have been left without remedy. And so the cockatrice fleeth when he seeth the weasel, and the weasel pursueth and slayeth him, for the biting of the weasel is death to the cockatrice, but this only if the weasel eat rue before. And against such venom first the weasel eateth the herb of rue. They be bitten by virtue of the juice of that herb. He goeth boldly forth, and overcometh his enemy. What on earth is rue? asked Peter. It seems to be a sort of plant, I should think, said the spell-book. Ask the dictionary. The giant dictionary opened itself and riffled its pages. Let's see, it said. Let's see. Rud, rudder, ruddock, ruddy, rude, ruderal, rudesheimer, rudiment, rue. Here we are a strong-smelling, shrubby plant, with pinnately divided leaves and greenish-yellow flowers, symbolic of repentance, compunction, or compassion. You'd better ask the herbal where it grows. Thus appealed to, Hepzibar's herbal opened its covers and riffled its pages. Er, rue, rue, it said. Here we are. Rue, in the country of Mythologia, grows only in a clearing near the Mandrake Forest, Werewolf Island, in the Singing Sea. "'Good,' said Parrot. "'Got all that, Penelope? "'Well, H.H. H. will be able to make some sense of it. "'Good-bye, books, and it won't be long before we rescue you.' "'At that moment the door burst open, "'and Ethelred hopped in, very much out of breath. "'Ere, get a move on,' he panted. "'Them sentries have been diving for H.H., H., "'and they're coming back all dripping wet. "'They're as mad as mad, cause they know they've been fooled. "'We must get out of here quick.' They all rushed out of the dungeon, and there, coming up the corridor from the moat, came the two dripping sentries. As soon as the two cockatrices saw the children, they uttered a terrible crowing, yarring cry that echoed a thousand times from the walls of the corridor, almost deafening Penelope and the boys. "'Quick, quick!' cried Parrot. "'Back to the drain! Run for your lives!' As Ethelred would never be able to keep up, Penelope picked him up in her arms and carried him clasped tightly to her, as she ran faster than she had ever run in her life before. They could hear the gobbling of the cockatrices, the clattering of their scales, and the screech of their claws on the stone floor. 
Any minute Penelope expected to feel a blast of agonizing flame envelop her, but they managed to reach the small dungeon, rush inside, and slam the door and bolt it, just as the first blast of flame from the cockatrices licked around the door frame. They rushed over to the corner where the entrance to the drain was. They could hear the cockatrices screaming like cats with rage, scraping and tearing at the dungeon door with their claws. They lowered themselves into the drain and scurried along it, climbed out, ran through the field of moon carrots, and did not really stop to draw breath until they were safely inside the crystal caves again. Whew! said Penelope, leaning against a crystal wall and gasping for breath. I never want to have to run that fast again. Nor I, gasped Peter, his chest heaving. That was a close thing, said Simon, gulping for air. We only just got that door closed in time, otherwise we'd have all been burnt to toast. Oh, don't, said Penelope, shuddering. It was horrible. Air, miss, said Ethelred, who still lay in Penelope's arms, wearing his top hat. Air, miss, I'd like to thank you for saving me life. Nonsense, said Penelope, putting him on the ground. I only picked you up because I didn't think you could hop as fast as we could run. And I couldn't have, miss, said Ethelred earnestly. Honest, I'd have been a roast toad if it hadn't been for you. Grateful I am, miss, very grateful indeed. Well, let's get back to H.H., said Parrot, and see if he can make head or tail of this spell. I'm sure I can't. It's too confusing. So, having regained their breath, they made their way back through the crystal tunnels to where H.H., Tabitha, and Dulcibel anxiously awaited their return. And that is the end of chapter four, and I'll see you next time.